This is Story and Rain Talks, the Story and Rain podcast. I'm Tamara, founder and editor in chief. After over 20 years in the fashion and magazine industries, I launched StoryandRain.com, a digital fashion, beauty, and lifestyle publication where we're bridging the gap between reading a magazine and shopping its pages. On this podcast, you'll discover the emerging trends and tastemakers that matter right now. As a catalyst for creativity and through candid conversations with our community of cultural arbiters, we're your resource for discovering today's most interesting people, projects, and products. And we'll explore the origins for game-changing ideas and careers. With our high-low approach to style and the belief that there's magic in the mix, we're going to inspire you to live your most stylish life. Chef Angie Marr's unapologetic and over-the-top approach to food, life, and style is contagious. During one of the most stressful times in the chef, author, and entrepreneur's career, I sat down with her to discuss how her storied landmark restaurant, the Beatrice Inn in New York City, has pivoted during the COVID-19 pandemic, both to serve the community and staff that she calls family. After pouring through her book, Butcher and Beast, in prep for our conversation, it was the first time during the pandemic that truly made me crave being out and eating and living life. We discussed the stylishness of her food, the importance of mood and vibe, how she approaches cooking in the way that an artist approaches painting, her famous dry aging techniques, her far from traditional way of writing recipes and creating menus, being a boss, her most thrilling guest, a current hot issue topic in the food world, her personal style and the style of her home, including an amazing lightning round of personal loves and recommendations. Angie Marr embodies everything about the story and rain aesthetic and approach to life and style, so I had so many questions for the courageous, hardworking pioneer who does it all deliciously with large attention to detail and an even larger dose of glamour. So Angie, I have to tell you that Repouring through your book for this interview is literally one of the only times during the COVID pandemic that truly made me want to be out and eating and like living life. Honestly, I opened champagne and I defrosted a steak in honor of this conversation with you. I'm serious that like that's how jazzed that's how jazzed up I was about anything. Let's talk about this. Let's just get right into it. Do you think anyone do you think anyone truly knows how hard you work? No. I don't either. I don't think I acknowledge it either. I actually don't think I acknowledge it either. I think I just, you know, um, yeah, nobody gets it. I, you know, it's, you know, actually that's a lie. You know, I think that like the people that are closest to me, you know, the ones that like are in the trenches with me, they get it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, I don't, I don't really talk about how, how much I work or how hard I work a lot because I always feel like, people think that I might be complaining and I'm not, you know, I love it. I'm like one of those, you know, Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a lot, I think because people, you know, they see the image, right. The image and the, the glamour. Yeah. The glamour and you know, the, the jacket, (laughs) you know, whatever. you You see that and you know, you don't realize what it actually takes to get there. You know, you ever think, about your auntie or your dad looking down at you going, she's working her ass off or. Oh my God. They would be so pissed if I wasn't. Yeah, exactly. Right. (laughs) 
Can yeah. it be, look, like yesterday, you know, like yesterday, like, you know, I had to reschedule with you. Because, yes, like, we had I to reschedule our podcast. Tell, do you want to talk about what happened? What yeah, happened? let's talk about it. I mean, because it's real. That's it's real, real life. That's yeah, what happened? You know, yesterday, I, I, first of all, I'm so sorry about that. I felt terrible. But like, no. yeah, I mean. If anybody yeah. gets it, it's me. It's owning my own business. Having been a, a fashion editor and a stylist for like yeah. 20 years and then, you know, you you start you almost start over when you launch a business you know oh, and yeah. i i get it so t- tell us what happened yesterday when you had yeah, so yesterday you know yesterday i was like i was uh sitting down and i was like literally ready to you know to do this this podcast with you and uh you know a pipe burst in my basement <laughs> so i was uh you know i instead of doing this this podcast and having this lovely chat and uh you know, throwing on some lipstick and being able to do this. That's right. I was, you know, I was literally in my basement of, of my restaurant uh, in three inches of water. Wow. Coming from yep. God knows where. This is the reality of the restaurant business. Like yeah. it's not just, you know, making sauces in a kitchen or like saying hello to guests. It's, it's yeah. bills and pipes and. hundred yeah. percent. It's, it's a building, you know, it's a building and, and, you know, mine just happens to have been built in the 1800s. So yeah, there's, there's all of those things. Just a landmark building. It's it's such a, what a weird, it's a weird coincidence because yesterday I had a conversation with my own like insurance broker and we were talking about how like my premium, so I live and work, the magazine is also where I live. It's a live work loft. And in, in Soho Chinatown. And um, he was just telling me how like my premium went up because there were a lot of water issues with buildings in yeah. the city. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, crazy. It's insane. It's insane. Do you think, um, would you say it can be lonely to be a pioneer and to do the what you do the way you do it? Yeah, I think absolutely. I think that, you know, any creative could say that, um, you know, because what I think, you know, and any creative could say that because especially when you're talking about something that is, you know, food, um, for me, at least it's very much like art, right? It's an expression of what I'm feeling at the time, what I'm thinking at the time, perhaps what, um, you know, I, I, um, you know, what I, just what's whatever is inside, right? Whatever right. is in your soul, right? And you translate that onto a plate. And just like an artist would translate that onto a canvas or a designer would translate it into an item of clothing, it's very much an expression of where you're at in that current time. And, um, you know, I think for me, especially, it's been, you know, it's been different because I, you know, I I clearly, uh, you know, kind of like marched to the beat of my own drum. And I think that, you know, there's a, the food is very polarizing. What we do is very polarizing. And I think that's a good thing. You know, I think it's a great thing because if it wasn't polarizing and if it wasn't, you know, if if I was, if everybody loved what we did, if everybody, you know, fully uh, like just loved it, um, then I think it would be mediocre. Right. I think that the best art is, is polarizing and it divides people insights and opinions and conversations. And that's what I think the best art does. Right. It tells a bigger story. Mm, Absolutely. Just speaking of which, just describe for the sake of the conversation, describe your signature cooking style. Oh, um, yeah, it is, um, 
You know, I think it's very unique. I think it is a mix of high-low. I think it is luxurious, but still nostalgic. Um, you know, and, and there's, for me, there's always like a, a very heavy connection to the past. Um, and, you know, and that's why I think it's important. Yeah. Um, describe your own personal style. <clears throat> the same. <laughs> nostalgic, but elevated. Yeah. Nostalgic. I mean, elevated. I think it's, you know, it is, um, it's very much a mix of high, low. Yes. You know? I mean, it's, it's very much a mix of high, low. And, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with like, you know, where I grew up and, you know, what I was exposed to, um, you know, and, you know, it's that, that's, so it's very much just like, I think in general, how I live my life. Yes. That's what I was going to, that was one of my questions for you further along, but we're story and rain is all about the high, low, the eclectic, yeah. the eclectic mix. Exactly. So what do you think it is about the high, low approach or aesthetic that you love, or just, you feel like it's sort of in your bones, like describe what high, low in your life means to you. Like if you were to give me like two comparisons or three high lows, like what would they be? Well, I think when you talk about the restaurant, you know, you talk about, um, you know, there's, you walk into, into the Beatrice and, you know, we have really created this aura of, you know, old school New York. And I think a lot of people that have just moved to New York in the past three to five years, you know, they don't know what it used to be like, right? Yeah. You know, right. Like, you know and, um, you know, I think uh, New York for me, I've always fallen in love with that you know, the grittiness, the bit of danger and the, you know, it's got this like intoxicating energy to it that is just, it completely consumes you. And, um, you know, for me, that's what, that's what I love about New York. And it, I think the city itself really encapsulates all of that high low, right? You have, you know, all of the luxury, you have the grittiness, you've got, you know, the street of it. It's, it's everything. Right. Um, and I think, you know, at the restaurant, we've managed to kind of take all of that and bottle it in and, and have it exude all of those amazing ideas and feelings, um, you know, in one place. Right. It's, it's champagne and a hamburger, right? Yeah. It's, or fried chicken. Or fried you know? chicken. <laughs> like $15 yeah. fried chicken and like, yeah. you know, crude, crude champagne. Like it's Right. Like <laughs> right. I feel like vibe is very important to you. It seems yeah. to me like that you think in vibe, you see vibe. To me, that's the mark of a true artist, wouldn't you say? A true creative that you yeah. see, you don't just see things, you see like feeling and mood and vibe. I yeah. feel like that's very, would you say that that's how you- Absolutely, kind of yeah. I think it's, you know, vibe is 100%, that's what it is. And, you know, when, and I say this a lot, and I think that like people who, you know, are not Create, like creatives always get it when I say this, but you should be able to taste color yeah. and, you know, see music and, you know, all of those things yeah. like, that, you know, that's kind of where I live. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's interesting to say, cause like, it's like, you know, you do, I do interviews with, you know, other like, you know, more business centric, you know, yeah. publications. Like Forbes and, or yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> you should be able to taste color and people are like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely, but, uh, but you know, that that's true though. And I think that a lot of people that are, you know, so focused on creativity and, and you know, how that translates into something that's very tangible. Um, you know, they, they understand that, which is, yeah. 
And you you use a lot you use a lot of classic technique, but your food is also very stylish. Like, yeah. what do you say to that? The stylishness of food. Like we, mm-hmm. you know, we we have a we're a fashion and beauty and lifestyle website, and we mm-hmm. do home decor, and we have a recipe box, um, mm-hmm. which is where we first connected. And mm-hmm. we, you know, the the recipes that we post are very stylish, and that's mm-hmm. very important to us. But what would you say about your the stylishness of your food? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think it's very raw. You know, and there's something to be said for that because I think that. Um, you know, when, you know, style is different to everybody, right? Yeah. And uh, yes, you know, I I think that, you know, the style of my food is very much like, you know, the way I dress or the music or the way, the decor of the restaurant. It is very, you know, it's raw and it's, it's raw, but still elegant at the same time. And it has all of these contrasting ideas, um, you know, but even flavors and textures and all of that stuff. And, you know, I think the importance of it too is, you know, when you talk about food, we're talking about something that hits us on a multi-sensory level. Yes. You know, you're talking about what we see with our eyes, what we smell, you know, what we feel, what we taste, you know, it's food is very sensual. And so, you know, I've always said that I think that, you know, it, it can't just be, you know, what it is on your palate. It's got to be, you know, when we eat, it has to encapsulate all of the senses. You know, the music has to be right. The lighting has to be right. You know, all of those things, because it's, it's so important. You know, yeah, it, it adds to the actual dish itself. Right, right. I have more questions for you about that later on on the podcast. How did you, how did you first connect with Johnny Miller, who takes such on-point and beautiful pictures of you, of your food, and the restaurant? How did Isn't that... He amazing? I mean, it's just, just a genius. It's it's just a match made in heaven, I believe. I'm so obsessed with him. I mean, you know, I'm obsessed with Johnny. He's you know he's become such a good friend, and I'm 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 so grateful to have have worked you know with him and, and his genius. So um, I feel that I've I've been made better and more creative for it. Wow. Do you yeah. feel like you're just going to continue working like with him all the time on all that you do or? Yeah, I, I don't know. I hope so. You know, I, hope, yeah. I, I absolutely hope that Johnny and I have another project together because I think that, um, you know, we work so well together and he's just brilliant. But, um, but you know, to answer your question. So I met him actually, Carrie Diamond. Uh, yep. Yeah, from Cherry Bomb, and you know she's just amazing. So she she actually introduced me to him because I was we were doing a piece. She was writing a piece for InStyle, and um, and so he was the photographer that came and shot me. And uh, for InStyle, wow, InStyle, yeah. And he we just really hit it off. And and Carrie's Carrie's just kind of like this you know great matchmaker because I I hadn't found a photographer for the book yet, and. Um, and Carrie was like, oh, you know, uh, Johnny, Johnny just shot um, Athena Calderon's book. Oh, uh, per- right. Perfect. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, she was like, oh, Johnny, you know, Angie, Angie's got a cookbook coming out. You know, you guys should talk. And, um, and you know, Johnny wasn't like really, he, the next project he was looking for, I think he was in a place where he was looking for a project that was like a passion project. Right. Um, not something that was just going to like cut him a check. He wanted right. that like artistry and he wanted like a passion project. And, um, and, you know, everything that I do, of course, is, you know, it was my first book. So of course, it's, you know, that's a passion project if there ever was one. I right? mean, you said, you say in your book, like it took you what, 
six years to write yeah. it or put it together. I have yeah. more questions for you about writing birth. You're birthing a book. I mean, it's, it's like, like, it's like having a baby, right? Totally. So it's like having a baby. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, that's how we met and, and we, you know, it's funny, we had like several dates. We like, you know, had like coffee dates and we talked about like, you know, what he wanted out of his career and what I wanted out of this book. And, um, you know, and it really just, we kind of vibed so well. And it's obvious. It, right. You know, and he, you know, he came to the restaurant one day, he just showed up and he's like, he's like, we have to talk. And he had this pile of books. It was like Helmut Newton and Guy Bourdin and all these just amazing art books. So nothing that we did with that, with Butcher and Beast was done based off of a cookbook. You know, I, I think I love that. dismay, but you know, that's fine. They'll be okay. Um, you know, but it's, it's an art book. That's it's really an cool. art book. It's yeah. a book book. It's a, it's yeah. a, it's a collage, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really beautiful. Really beautiful. Thank you. Uh, what were you like as a child? Um, I think I was the same as I was now. I, <laughs> I think I was the same as I was now. Uh, you know, my mom, my mom always says it, uh, the best. She said, you know, since you were a kid, all you ever wanted to do was, uh, eat meat and wear my high heels. Oh, that's so funny. I yeah, love that. It's, it's real. And it's that's so a good real. quote. Yeah. And so I don't think anything has changed really. I think, you know, I probably like went through phases where I was like, you know, I started out as this and then I like kind of went through other phases where I was like, you know, figuring out who I was. Yeah. We all have that, right? Who I was when I was five. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you remember the first time being creative with something as a kid or a teenager? Um, I mean, you started cooking very young, right? Yeah, like you were just, I mean, I, yeah, I, I definitely started cooking very young. Um, you know, my father, I would cook, you know, in the kitchen with my father all the time. Um, but you know, I mean, I would do that with my dad. And then, um, you know, my mom had, had this really amazing tailor. So when I was a kid, you oh. know, let me, she used to let me draw what I wanted. And then we'd like go to the fabric store. Oh, and, you're, kill you know, I, oh, you're killing like, me right you know, now. Like it's, it's always like, I've always been, you know, yes. creating one thing. Yeah. So sort time. of fashion and food was like front and center in your life. Like, yeah always yeah I mean and like, cultivated and cultivated I mean you were at, yeah. you were asked as a child like come cook with me and you were asked as a child like let's think up let's dream up yeah. some clothing and take it like, to the what theater. do you want to wear yeah I love it wear, you know and um and so you know that's that's like it was yeah it was definitely cultivated and um and encouraged you know so I you know I always thank my parents for that because it was um it, I don't think creativity was something that was was short in my household no <laughs> Not at all. Nothing vanilla. No. I know you've said it's hard to describe your creative process, but mm -hmm. give it a try. I mean, what 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 does your creative process look like to you? Like what is what is that? How do how do you um so you know the you know the word webs that you would make when you were like, you know, Yes. I have a I have a couple of questions about word yeah. webs. Like I was trying to remember you've described a web of words process that you use when you create recipes, you describe it in, in the book. Mm -hmm. um, and I was wondering, I was like, did, did, 
Angie, come up with the term word web or is that a thing? But it's a thing, right? It's a thing. Yeah, it's a thing. And like, I, you know, I remember being, I don't know, elementary or middle school or whatever, whatever grade you are when you're like learning to write paragraphs. Right. You know, and I remember being in school and, you know, like having to learn how to, how to, you know, you write paragraphs, whatever, how to construct them. Um, and you, you know, we learned how to do these word webs, right? And you start out with your main idea and then you offshoot all the things. So my creative process is very much like that. Um, and my creative process doesn't start with food uh, necessarily. It starts with, you know, an idea or, a, you know, a word, um, maybe a piece of artwork, uh, you know, or something or a piece of clothing or, you know, something. Something uh, that you want to invoke, you want to... Something that I want, you know, the idea of what that says that you want to translate into, you know, an interpretation like I you know a couple of years ago I was um spring is really hard for me spring and summer those seasons are really hard for me to cook in because I I'm, I don't do well in hot weather yes um, yeah I, don't, I, don't do I have well. questions about that too I have questions about winter your love of winter but we'll get <laughs> yeah, to that I later um but so you know I creatively it's it's a little harder for me in the spring and summer and um so you know I I sat down and I I started going through Salvador Dali's artwork and, um, you know, then I, I just got so obsessed with it. And, um, and you know, he, he was a great cook. He was a great cook. He, he always had these like elaborate feasts. And so I did like this really deep dive on, you know, Salvador Dali and, and, and the food he would cook. Or- I didn't realize that about Salvador Dali. I do have two of the books. I'm sure you know about these, like Jackson Pollock at home and Georgia O'Keeffe at home. Have you seen those? No, I haven't. But they're, they're, they're book. Yeah. You have to check them out. They're books about their, all their recipes that were found and compiled. So yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, so I got really obsessed with Salvador Dali's artwork and, you know, it, it inspired so much, you know, with dishes and, um, you know, each piece, each food uh, item that I have is typically inspired by something or it'll be a whole season's menu that's inspired by maybe even one painting. Um, like a so, designer designs a collection. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Really? You know, it's really interesting. I, um, <laughs> you know, I have a lot of you know, friends in fashion, and yeah. uh, you know, but I, I don't really have a lot of. I've got friends in food as well, but more, most of my friends are more in fashion. And yeah. um, you know, it's interesting because like I used to tell people, like writers in food, about my creative process, and they would look at me and they're like, "You're nuts! Like you're right. nuts!" No. But then when I started telling people, you know, that are more fashion and and art based, they were like, oh, that makes complete sense. Yeah. Designer would create their collection. I was like, okay, I'm not nuts. No. The word web. So you you, you come up with words and you sort of string them together and then. Yeah, absolutely. Dishes formulate. Dishes formulate. Exactly. Like I, you know, take McQueen, for example, you know, (laughs) I, I. I ended up watching the McQueen documentary and I hadn't seen it in a couple of years. And I was like, so good. So good. It's so good. I watched it on a plane. I was like crying. I know I cried too. The, yeah, the robot dress. I just can't, I couldn't, and I lost it. Yeah. Um, But you know, so much inspiration comes out of that. Right. Cause I think you're so brilliant. And um, you know, so I, I got so moved. I was so moved by rewatching this, this amazing documentary. And I was so moved by, by all of his art that, um, you know, I sat down and I, I started 
doing word webbing, you know, and I just started out with just McQueen and what, you know, what do I associate with McQueen? And I, you know, you associate, uh, you know, there's just a level of like regalness and there's like bad boy and there's leather and there's skin and there's skulls and there's fire. Mm. And there's still this like innate femininity to mm-hmm. his work, you know, so you have all of these like hard and soft contrasting ideas and yes. out of that, you know, out of that came this, this beautiful dish. It was, it was a, it was a whole squab. It was a whole pigeon wow. head on feet on. It was smoked. It was golden Brown. It had, you know, apples, like full apples that beautiful. were just, like, listered and just stunning. And it had um, elderflower because it reminded me of the lace, you know, just fresh mm-hmm. elderflowers garnish. And it came out into the dining room under this cut crystal cloche oh so beautiful 19th century and it was filled with smoke and and my waiters would drop it on the table and take the cloche off and the smoke would dissipate and you would just have this like insanely yes i feel like i've seen photos of that yeah i'm sure you have it's it's a beautiful it's one of my favorite dishes and um i haven't made it in a while but it's something that i love and you know so that but that came out of out of you know, you know, going through McQueen's work and, and, you know, all of that. And, and, you know, some dishes are, are completely the opposite and some dishes are derived from, um, you know, childhood um, or, you know, you know, just word madness, right. Mm. And what that evokes. So So interesting. Um, What do you cook for yourself at home, Angie? Well, it depends. I mean, like <laughs> you know, when I'm when I'm working a lot, I honestly when I'm working a lot, I I you know I'm like a plain cereal girl. You know, at the end of the night, I find yep. that um, the more complicated my food is, the simpler I want to eat. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you eat breakfast food? I know you're a late riser, but do you yeah, no, enjoy it? I know. Not a breakfast, breakfast, food. breakfast for me is, so. is bodega coffee and, uh, and Virginia Super Slims. <laughs> <laughs> what do you make for yourself when you're sick? Uh, chicken, chicken soup, chicken and dumpling soup. That's like what do you put in your stock? Is it, is, is it have Asian influence or is it just like a traditional stock? No, it's just traditional. I, you know, I don't, I don't even know if my stocks are traditional. I, you know, traditionally you would do like mirepoix, right? Right. Carrots and celery and onions. And I don't do that. I'm just, it's bones and water. Oh, wow. Beautiful bones and, and, and water. And that's it. Um, Describe the notion in your dry age processes and how you conceive of them. Mm. Uh, you know, it's really interesting. I, you know, those, like the whiskey age beef is something that, you know, we were the first in the States to, to do. And, yep. you know, the next one that we did was a beef that was, you know, buried in, in just like tons and tons of kilos of lavender. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure. I, I try a lot of different things and, and not all of them work, you know? Yeah, yeah those two, <laughs> those two work of, to perfection, but yeah. yeah. I, I try a lot of different things and, and maybe 20% of them work. And then maybe out of the 20%, you know, there's like four or 5% that I actually am really in love with. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's really just trial by error. and Trial and error. What I'm into at the time. Yeah. Um, what is it that you love about savory tarts and pies? We're featuring your shallot shallot tart, I believe. Mm, such a good one. Yeah, such a good one. But what is it that you love about like a savory tart or pie? Yeah, I'm not really a dessert girl. I'm not. Yeah, yeah, I'm not really. Me neither. Girl. Never have been salty. And like you know, even if I, I, I actually this is a lie. I crave dessert, but then I will have like I'll have steak and then I'll crave dessert, and then I'll usually have like a bite or two of dessert and then I go back to my steak. 
for actual right. dessert. Again, that balance yeah. of flavor, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like I like to bounce back and forth. And um, yeah, so this, you know, the savory tarts and pies, you know, I, I think that well, first of all, you know, my mom grew up in the UK, so yes, yeah, yes. I've, I've figured that the UK had a lot to do with it. Yeah, I have, I have an affinity for meat pies because of that, um, and I, you know, I spent a lot of my childhood going there. But um, I, you know, I, I just like salty things. Like I, you know, I always want savory, salty umami. You yes. know, those are the flavors that I crave, and I, I think that you know, a lot of those tarts um, and and pies, they just they embody all of that because it's a little yeah. sweet little salty, a little savory. It's everything. Right. What does your home kitchen look like? Uh, you know, it's really funny. My home kitchen is actually bigger than the, the one at the restaurant. So, nice. <laughs> I, well, no, it's, no, it actually is a testament to, to the one at the restaurant. You know, our, our, our kitchen is, is like 180 square feet. It's so small. And, um, you know, but, but yeah, my home kitchen is, you know, it's simple. I have like a, a big collection of, of, you know, stock, Stop cast irons and and uh, you know copper. Is it um, neutral in color? Like, what are the colors of your kitchen? Oh, the whole house is ivory. Mm -hmm. it tells you it tells you about a little bit about me. Yeah, no, I love that. Um, how do you record your ideas? Do you have a notebook? Do you put them in your phone? Do you? Yeah, I you know I try to carry a notebook all the time. Um, yeah, me right. But I, um, a lot of times, you know, things will come to me, and I'll just, you know, if I don't have it with me, I'll just, I'll write it down in my, in my phone. Did you decide to do a book, or were you approached, Angie? Oh, I've always wanted to do a cookbook. You know, I've always wanted to, you know, not, not, I guess not necessarily just a cookbook, but just a book. Okay. You know, yeah. Why would we not? You know, I think there are the brilliant representations of where we're at in that current time, and they're they're so amazing to. Um, you know, and I really think what our book did is it chronicled, you know, the Beatrice, but also the story of it and where we were at, you know, at that current and time. And the story of you. I mean, there, it's like a little autobiography in a way too, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's like, you know, this is, this is me then, right? Was, yeah. Was it hard to write the book emotionally? Did it force you to think about your life in a deeper way or? Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, I am... Um, you know, I started that book and, you know, a lot of those essays were not in there originally. And, um, you know, I, I was, it was probably like oh, two weeks, I think it was two weeks overdue on my first, my first draft of the book and, um, and I lost my father. And so I put the whole project on hold and, you know, so it was tough. Like, yeah, it was like, I don't even know if I can do this anyway. I don't want to think about it. I don't care about the book, whatever. How, how could you? Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of those essays in there it was really, I think, part of my grieving process. Right. And, and my mourning process. And, um, you know, and, and, and you can tell, you know, like I, I wrote so many of those essays in there for him. They're yeah. very well written. Describe, why don't you describe the flow of your book? Like it flows from stories to recipes. It's, it's sort of broken up. You say that you don't necessarily, you don't think seasonally. You have a couple seasons of choice, right? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. it does flow from season to season. Why don't you explain like the flow of the book? It's really, it's really cool the way the book Thank you. sort of reads. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I, um, I have a huge library of, of books at my office and, um, 
you know, I, I went through them all and I was like, okay, you know, we could do, uh, you know, separate things and, you know, by season, a lot of people separate it by season, but they go, you know, spring, like spring, summer, autumn, winter. It's like, no, like, you know, for me, life and life begins and ends in chilly weather. Like that's, you know, Is that because of your upbringing in Seattle with like the rain and why do you love, why do you love winter so much? I just love it. I just, I, you know, the coolness in the air and, you know, everything is just so, your, your senses are all heightened, right? That's very true. There's something about, you know, autumn and winter and when it's chilly outside and, uh, you know, you're like, you know, it's more dark all the time. It's what it is. And it's just like, your senses are just heightened. And I always feel like everybody is so much more in tune, you know, versus like the warmer months you get lethargic and like laid late. back. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, that's not, I've never been the laid back type. Yeah, me either. Yeah, no, I get me. it. I get it. Um, so w- when are you inspired? Are you, are you more inspired in the winter, in the cooler months? Do you feel like you get more ideas then? Like what, ins- I mean, we know what inspires you, anything from a piece of art to mm-hmm. a song. Yeah, I, yeah I, I'm definitely more inspired in, in the colder months. You know, I, I absolutely am. And, you know, but, but I also start, um, you know, I, I always start writing whatever menu I'm going to write for the fall or and winter seasons. I'm writing in the spring, yeah. and when I'm, yeah, so same thing. You have to, right? yeah, I have to. You know, you plan and you you know all of those things. So, um, so yeah, so I you know, but I think that it's almost like the spring summer is when I'm writing for fall winter, and it's almost better that way because I'm like, oh my god, these are all the things that I just want right now, and I'm tired of this like hundred degree weather. Right. <laughs> it's like it's like a big. It's almost like a wish list that becomes a menu or something. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. Also, also in your book, you mention closing the restaurant in August and in January every year for holiday, and that you take time off to reset creatively. How do you do that exactly? What are you doing uh, when you're resetting creatively? Yeah, I, um, you know, it, I usually, it's really interesting. I, I take, I usually take a holiday before everybody else leaves the restaurant. Ah. I take a holiday before everybody else leaves the restaurant. I usually, you know, I go to St. Bart's, I, I relax, I, you know, and I always go by myself. That's the thing is I don't travel, I don't travel with people. I always That's really, that's really interesting that's really interesting because it's tr- it's very true that a vacation alone is far different. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I have yeah. not done that in a while and I've been craving. Well, actually, that's a lie. I actually did that in January. But yes, d- travel alone is far different than being with friends or being with yeah. family. Yeah. 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 So I, yeah, no, I usually leave in the beginning of August and I'll, I'll be gone for about, you know, a week, week and a half. And I, I, Lately, you know, I've typically been going to St. Bart's because it's like the end of the season. So yeah. it's quiet there. And, you know, I just get the same house every year and I sit at the pool and I, you know, eat pate and chain smoke and, you know, Compress. read and, you know, do all the things. And then, um, and then when my team, when, when I come back, then my team goes on holiday. Smart. They go on holiday for a week. And then I'm at the restaurant usually for you know, a week by myself. And, um, you know, cause that restaurant is never empty. It's never empty. That must be a magical time for you to be there it kind is. of alone. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a time for me to just kind of be there and like reconnect, you know, I, I you know, 
paint it. We usually do a paint, you know, I paint it every autumn. Freshen it up. Yeah. yeah. Freshen it up and, and I cook and, you know, and, and all of that. And it's, it's really an amazing time for me is to be there during that week when everyone's gone. I always say that, you know, for me personally, I need to have space Mm-hmm. in order to get ideas. And like when I don't have time or space, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to be creative. So I feel like so taking, taking that time off alone to be away on vacation and then even be back at the restaurant yeah. by yourself probably gives you a little breathing room for, for things to flow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, your Auntie Ruby was a celebrated restaurateur in Seattle. Uh, what was her crown jewel dish that she was known for? Oh my gosh, that woman is, <laughs> her menu is so huge. Her menu is huge. Um, you know, it's, she used to do this, um, it was like a scallion and ham noodle salad. And we used to fight over it all the time. I don't think it was on the menu at the restaurant, but it was, it was what we, we had every Sunday growing up. Um, and my house was two, two blocks away from hers. So I would be there like you know, multiple times a week. And, um, so yeah, she, it was, it was like, it was a cold noodle and it was like this really salty ham and scallion oil and it was just delicious. And so that's, that's what we used to have. But, you know, she had, she had a lot of Chinese dishes on the menu and then she also had like, you know, a couple American dishes on the menu and she also had a, a T-bone steak and uh, a whole fried chicken. That was like the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's obviously influenced you in some way, right? 100%, yeah. Uh, do you miss Seattle? No. <laughs> you you I once... Miss my family. I miss my family. You know, I yeah. miss my family. I miss, you know, I, um, I, you know, it's really interesting. I think I, um, you know, I, I love it there very much. And I, 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 I love my childhood there. Uh, and I love it in retrospect now that I've, uh, you know, now that I've been gone for so long. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's really, it's, it's, you know, my family's there and I love them so much. I go back and visit all the time, but there's a reason why we all moved to New York. (laughs) That's right. Um, you once ran the kitchen at Spotted Pig, right? Mm -hmm. So did you, uh, you, you sort of allude to the fact that you saw things or that you didn't like. How did you handle being there? How did you handle, like, for example, handle your creativity in sort of a emotional atmosphere that wasn't to your liking, I would say? You know, it's really interesting because people, you know, I think a lot of things have happened at the pig that, that you know, I mean, clearly it's like you know, Ken Friedman and, and, you know, Batali. And I think, you know, every, everybody knows what happened there. Um, I, and I, you know, when I, when I talk about those days, I don't, I was never treated ill there. Yeah. You know, and that's like a real thing. Like I was, you know, everybody's always like, oh, but you had to have been treated a certain way. I was like, no, like everybody was always great to me. But yeah. also too, I was not there to make friends. And I always say that. Like, I, you know, I was- Yeah, like you had your nose to the grindstone. Yeah, I was never there. I was yeah. never at the Spotted Pig to make friends. Right. And I was not there to, to you know, look, like, you know, I think the, the culture at, at that restaurant has been widely written about and widely publicized, you know, and widely scrutinized. Um, That is a culture that I've never engaged in because for me, you know, like I, you know, a lot of people, I don't know if a lot of people know this about me, but I, you know, I come from the corporate world before I started cooking. So for me, you know, like I, you know, I don't socialize with, especially like before I worked for myself, 
socialize with my coworkers because I, I, did, I don't care. Like I'm there to put, I was there to put, yeah. put Michelin starred restaurant on my resume. I was there to learn how to run a Michelin starred restaurant. I was there to learn from the best. And I did. Um, I wasn't there to party. I wasn't there to make friends. And every single person that worked with me will tell you that. You know, yeah, you, you walked into the job with a very professional mentality, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's and, what it was. So, but, you know, just seeing, seeing, you know, seeing that and also seeing how everything has played out in the media, um, you know, it just further reinforced what I knew already, which is, this, you know, it's a culture that I don't, I don't uh, to. facilitate or, you know, or, or want to be a part of. Tell the story, tell a little bit of the story of bu- about buying the Beatrice Inn. It was such kismet. I feel like your cooking style and the Beatrice. Like, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, the ironic part is, is I didn't want it. Yeah. Yeah, that's the ironic part is that I, I didn't want the restaurant. Um, yeah, you know, they were they were getting ready to sell it. And, uh, you know, they, I was working there at the time and, and they came to me and I they said, you know, do you want to buy it? And I was like, absolutely not. Um, so it was not out. No, like, no, I don't want it. Um, and you know, then I thought about it and I thought about it some more and realistically it's like, you know, the Beatrice Inn has been a part of New York. Uh, you know, at the time it had been there is the way, like 90 something years. And, yes. um, you know, so for me it was like, okay, well, you know, why would I not buy a piece of New York history? Like, yeah, I mean, it's an opportunity that a lot of people never ever get in their lifetime. And right? they never will. And exactly. they never will. And, and you know, and I'm I'm so grateful, you know, to have made the decision to buy it. Um because it, you know, I love that place so much. It's it's my home. It is it's you know, it's my first executive chef position. It's the first restaurant that I purchased. It's like my first everything. It's big. You uh, you you went from like you you really uh knocked it out of the park with a with a big undertaking, right? Yeah, it was you know, I've always been a fan of the underdog. You know, yeah. for me, it's like, I'm, I've always been a fan of the underdog. And, um, you know, so for me, uh, you know, to take over a place with, uh, you know, such a, a storied history um, in the city that I love, in the city that I call my home, and to say, okay, you know, we're going to bring it back to life and give it the future that it deserves, you know, uh, it's a challenge if there ever was one, but... Give you know, it the future it deserves. That's a really... Great way of putting it, right? Oh, yeah. um, do you remember the catalyst? Like what? What made you go? Okay, I'm signing the. Pay- I'm. I'm in. Do you remember mm. what it was? Um, yeah, you know, Pat Lafreda, who is he's like you know America's butcher. He is one of my very dear friends, and I called him, and he said, you know, buy the business. He goes buy the business. He goes, he's. He goes, it's absolutely crazy. He goes, it's absolutely insane. Everybody's gonna think you're insane. He goes, so double down on it. So. Yeah. That's great yeah. advice. What was the most surprising thing that you've learned being in the restaurant business? I mean, you mm. like having your own restaurant. Is there, um, any, is there any, anything you've been surprised by, by having such an intimate role in like, o- and owning a restaurant? Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's interesting because, you know, I'm, I'm very old school. And, uh, you know, my family, just having been in the restaurant industry, that, you know, forever you know not just ruby but like a lot you know yeah. a lot of my family members have restaurants yes. you know so we're very old school like that and it's 
you know, it's, it's, it's always been about the food, right? Yeah. And, um, it, you know, the industry has changed in the past you know, 10 years since I've done this professionally. And, um, you know, it, it used to be if you cooked really great food, everyone would just come. Right. And so I think the most, I don't know if it's really surprising, but I think um, it's more of a, it's something that I've had to adapt to, right, is, um, you know, realizing and embracing the fact that it is not just about the food. That's right. It is not just about the food. It's about everything else. You know? Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. A lot. Um Right. There's a lot that you, you probably a lot that you would rather be doing, but you've got to tackle the, everything that goes into being a restaurateur. Yeah. How are you as a boss? Um, <laughs> my perception or the, or what everybody else. Oh, like, per, like your perception and then their perception. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I guess, I guess everybody else you'd have to ask them, but um, you know, look, I, I, I try and be, I'm, very typically very like level you know um and i think that i've uh it's interesting i think i've 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 mellowed out in my old age i think if i was doing this now uh but was like 10 years younger yes i think that i would i would probably be like you know functioning at like 12 all the time. Right. Um, but you know, I'm, I think like, you know, I think the longer I've done this and, uh, you know, every year that I'm in it, I think it's nothing really rattles me anymore. Yeah. I'm always like, okay, yeah, great. And you know, next let's go. Right. Nothing really rattles me anymore. And it's just like, it's one of those things. Yeah. It's like yesterday I was like, okay, the pipe burst. Great. Call the plumber. Like, not happy about it, but I have to deal you know, with it. Yeah, exactly. But I think, you know, 10, 10, you know, 10 years ago, I probably would have been like, you know, falling apart in tears. Right. right. right? Um, you know, maybe 15 years ago, I, you know, probably would have been that, but um, yeah, I mean, nothing really rattles me anymore. And so, so for me, it's really become about mentorship, you know, I, and, and I'm, st- I'm still growing, you know, I'm still growing as, as a leader and, and, um, you know, business owner. And I think the really important thing uh, for me and for my team, and I think why, you know, I have so many amazing people at the restaurant is because um, we have such a focus on, on mentorship and, you know, really paying it forward. Uh, And I, you know, I think I've learned that because, you know, I've, I've had some really amazing people mentor me and I've had some not so amazing people. Yeah. And you know the difference, right? Yeah, You know the difference. And so, you know, I think it's always really fantastic to, you know, to acquire all this life experience, right? Because you acquire more of it and you begin to shape who that really shapes who you are and who you want to become. Right. Yeah. I love the story that you tell in your book about how you became fed up with the cooks in your kitchen who were becoming complacent. You got up and you left, you went to Del Anima and you ordered champagne and carbonara. It's so, that sounds like something I would do. Talk about that moment. Yeah. Um, You know, it's just a moment of clarity. It's, it's, you know, I was so fed up and I think it was probably, that moment was probably the most defining moment in, in my career as what kind of, of chef I was going to be, right? And it was defining for a couple of reasons. It was defining at the time in the moment because 
I fired everyone. So, uh, you know, nobody, you know, who does that? Like who, who, who is in the middle of, you know, their New York Times review at their very first restaurant and says, you know, get, just get out, like, get out. Here's your checks, get out. Like, here's your checks, you're fired. Here's your check, you're fired. You know, who does that? And, um, you know, in, in such a, pro- a high profile acquisition, by the way. Yeah. Um, you know, so, um, at the time it was, you know, it defined, I had made, clearly made the decision. I was like, okay, great. I'm going to pick the lane and I'm not going to take any shit from anybody and it's going to be my way or the highway. And my way is, you know, the right way. And we're going to put passion and love and care in everything that we do. And if we can't do that, you got to go. Right. So there was that. Right. And, and, and it taught me so many lessons and it defined who I was then because that, you know, that's, that story will be told yeah that story is always told to like you know new people that get hired at the beat they're like yeah you know like just this well, is what isn't it have. a story about trusting your instincts i mean do you yeah feel, it, it's a story like, about trusting trusting your instincts a hundred percent but you know what i think was defining for that through the process of rebuilding was what really defined who i wanted to be because the process of rebuilding really showed me okay you know this is gonna be hard I'm gonna roll my sleeves you know I was there every day it was me and my my two sous chefs every day and that was it we were doing doubles every day it was three of us it was insane it was insane and um you know so to do all of that and you know it showed that's why I think that truly is why nothing rattles me anymore because I've already been you've seen it all hell we've we've been there we've been there we made it through. It's all fine. Uh, we made it out and it was, we came out better for it and stronger for it. So that's why everything else now, it's just like, okay, what you got next? Bring it on. Do you yeah. get instincts about the people that you hire before you hire them? Do you feel like, you, yeah, yeah. 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 You can read someone's energy, I bet, right? hundred percent. Yeah. I think it's so important to do that. What happens during your team meetings before and after service? Who speaks? Is that you? All of us. All of us, you know, I think, you know, it's, you know, I typically do, is either me or my sous chefs typically do team meeting before service and, um, you know, it's, it's really about setting the tone. And I think that, you know, there's so much to do with morale and with leadership and setting the tone. And I think that when, when you set the tone and it comes from the top, it trickles all the way down and it has this profound effect, whether positive or negative. So it's really always important to me that, you know, and I always say this, it's like, you know, going into dinner service and cooking, it's like, it's like going into battle, right? Yeah. But you want to set the tone high and you want to end high always, you know, and whatever happens in between, you're just in war and that's it. I mean, especially like at a restaurant, there's a lot of people whose energy you're feeding off of the team's energy. It's a real, it's like, you know, it's like the crew on a boat or something, you know, it's the same thing. So it's like, speaking of webs, it's like, there's a web there and the web can't break. Right. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's uh, it's very much all, all this like intertwined energy and, and, and fabric and it just all has to work together. What kind of people would you say you gravitate toward? Um, 
You know, everybody in my life is, I have a very eclectic group of friends. You know, I have a very eclectic group of friends, um, but everybody in my life is tremendously creative. Um, you know, tremendously creative, but also uh, serious. You know, they are like serious. They are, you know, I, I always like to surround myself with people who, who are just like, just sharks. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. um, because I think it's always very important. And, 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 you know, for me, it's like, I, I always just like, I always have to keep moving and I don't like to get hung up on things, you know, for too long. And, um, and, you know, all of my friends are pretty much the same way. Mm -hmm. You've said that you become irate when people rip off your ideas. I get it. And I could not agree more. Mm -hmm. Like I don't subscribe to this idea of like imitation is the best form of flattery. Um, which I think you actually even say in your book at some point, what is the, what's been the most egregious ripoff of your work? Um, I had a, uh, you know, I, I, I don't really typically speak ill of the dead, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I had, I had this, uh, I had a cook work for me for like, uh, something totally it was something like silly like like five months or something like yeah, that like some blip on the radar right yeah like i don't you know I don't, nobody even remembers his name it's always know? that person though right uh, yeah uh, nobody even remembers his name uh something something like really silly like five months you know which which five months in restaurant time is like you know half a day right and um uh you know left me went uh to go be like an executive chef or something for some like place in Brooklyn cooked my food at that place. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. It was so still, it was so stupid. And it was just like, you know, it was one of those things where, you know, no one remembers his name now because, you know, I don't, probably had to leave the city. I don't know. You know what I mean? But yeah. uh, you know, nobody will probably will remember his name because you know, those ideas aren't genuine and that's the thing. no authenticity there. Yeah, authenticity. How did that get back to you by the way? How did it get back to you? How did you learn about him? Uh, yeah, you probably read about it somewhere. Oh, or, okay. There you go. Yeah, or something. I was like, oh, I think that's my pie, right? Like, that's those are my recipes. Okay, great. Yeah, whatever. You know? <laughs> it's like, okay, when you want the real thing, come to the Beatrice. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I found that owning my own business or owning one's own business means that a lot of people will offer their opinions even when they aren't asked. So do you yeah. feel... Do you, do you feel empowered at this point with the success that you've had to tune out the opinion offerings completely or do they still creep in? Um, no, I, no, I think that, you know, I think that opinions are, are tremendously valuable because I think that especially as a creative, I know that I get caught in my tunnel vision sometimes. Like I have the tendency to, you know, to get caught in tunnel vision because um, I become so obsessed with something. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so I think that, you know, uh, typically, you know, I, I think opinions are best when solicited, yeah. <laughs> not just when given. Uh, right. but, but, you know, I, uh, with that being said, I, I like hearing, I always love hearing other people's perspectives. I think the important part with opinions and especially, you know, I think that, you know, a lot of, a lot of younger people will come and they'll say, you know, what do you, you know, should I be taking all this advice or what do you think about all of these opinions? And do you, do you take all of these? Yeah. You know, I, I listen to them. Yeah. I listen to them. I listen to them. I, I take every single one with a grain of salt and I listen to them. I don't act on them, but I, I take it all in because you know, we also, as creatives, especially one, you know, 
those of us that are, you know, we're not just creating for our own amusement, right? We're creating right. because this is a business. So You're making our, a product, right? We made our business creation, right? Yeah. That, that is our business. So when you, when you decide to make the jump from creating, there's a very, you know, huge difference from creating for your own amusement and creating to turn a profit, right? right? So when you start creating to turn a profit, you have no choice but to listen to everybody's opinions and Very true. Take it all in, you know, not that you have to act on it, but you just have to take it all in. Very true. Very yeah. true. Do you have any thoughts on what food writer Alison Roman recently said about Marie Kondo and Chrissy Teigen being sellout? Lots of thoughts. What? Yeah. I said, I have lots of thoughts. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. I have lots of thoughts. Uh, you know, look, I, I don't know Allison. Let's start with that. Um, okay. I, I don't know Allison personally. I don't know Maria Kondo or Chrissy Teigen personally. I, I know none of these three women. What I do know is um, I was shocked. I was disappointed and I was deeply offended for Maria and for, um, for Chrissy. I think that, you know, anyone who is, anyone who is gifted a platform like that, like Allison has, yeah. who tears, who uses that platform to tear down other people, women, men, what, it doesn't matter. Okay. I don't care. Cause I don't really, I, I typically don't see gender. Right. But anyone who uses their platform to tear down other people versus bringing people up does not deserve that platform. I don't care what apologies she has made. Yes. I do not care because there is an innate sense of bullshit to it. And clear like you went she went after two asian women two very highly successful asian women high profile why did she not go after ina why did she not go after martha stewart yeah, it's very why did she not like it is unacceptable in this day and age we are in 2020 right now you have no excuse there is no excuse for that kind of ignorance at all yeah it is not okay. And I think the women who are excusing it, the people who are saying, oh, well, she apologized. It's okay. It's not yeah, okay. There's a lot of talk about the apology for some it's reason. Not it's okay. like, I think that the comment, you know, the comment gave everyone a peek into her mind. Into who she is as a person. And it's, it's not okay, especially when, if you are, I mean, it's, it wouldn't be okay in, in life. I don't think that type of behavior is okay in life. I especially do not think it's okay when you have a platform that people look up to you, that you have a voice, that you are celebrated in multiple publications. You don't get, you don't you can't get to go there. Down. You can't go there. Well, you don't get to tear people down and you should be using your platform for good. For good. For good. You should be using your platform for good, for positivity, to bring people up and to say, hey, you know what, this behavior is not right. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I typically don't, I typically don't get involved in these like, in like drama like this, because it's not, you know, it's not really me, but I, I did post about this. I posted you about did. it. I didn't realize that you posted about it. I just thought, it just occurred to me. I was like, I wonder what Angie no, has to say. No, I, I posted about it because I was so deeply offended by, I was so deeply offended by it. And I was so, 
I was also so offended that, because, you know, like, look, she's, you know, I have a platform in food. I have a platform in whatever. I, you know, it's all we ever, all we should ever be trying to do is raise people up. It is not a competition. It is not a competition. Well, I want to talk about how you're, you're doing something positive and raising people up um, during this COVID pandemic, mm-hmm. um, right? Like that's, that's where your head is at personally. Yeah. But, that's where my head's always at. Yeah. 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 Well, let's talk about this. I'm curious just to switch gears. Um, mm-hmm. describe a table that you set. I'm curious about what your tabletop looks like, like for for yourself at home for a holiday. What does it look, what tabletop decor do you personally like? Um, I, well, for my home, like I always have to be like, you know, it's so funny ever since like this pandemic has started, everybody's been like, you know, uh, hoarding toilet paper and hair dye and I've been like hoarding flowers. So oh, really that's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like the crazy girl that waits in line at Whole Foods, like down the street from my apartment. And I, I leave with like $200 worth of flowers. So I just fill my whole apartment every Sunday. You know, I've been getting into flowers lately. That's so true. It's like, I yeah. like, yeah, it's yeah. We're confined to our homes, so we need flowers. You might as well be surrounded by something beautiful. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So my my table settings at home are simple. It's always like, you know, the flowers in the house are always white or they're pink, and that's it. And, uh, you know, everything, it's in candles, ivory candles, and that's it. So it's, mm-hmm. it's yeah, I'm a mm-hmm. minimalist. Um, so what happened? What was the very moment you decided to keep the Beatrice in open, doing takeout, mm-hmm. keeping people employed during COVID-19. Let's talk about that. I mean, what you're doing right now is incredible and it's, it's, it's not easy. So no, do you remember so what was it in you that said, we're doing this, we're keeping the kitchen going and. Yeah. Um, you know, I, so I was in, I was in Europe when this whole thing broke out and. Um, That's not I, great, right? Yeah, exactly. So I was in Europe when this whole thing broke out and I, I cut my trip short, came back to the States and I, you know, I was there on business and, um, you know, canceled everything, came back to the States and, you know, made the decision to shut the restaurant down because I feel like, you know, my employees were getting really uneasy being open and like, you know, the bar was still packed and it was just, it just wasn't a good idea. Yeah. Things um, were getting, it was getting weird. Yeah. It was getting confusing. Weird. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we shut down the restaurant and then the next day the governor mandated the, sh- the shuttering of, of restaurants and bars. So, you know, we were like, we were one day ahead of that. Um, and so, you know, we shut down and I said, okay, look, like, you know, I need to, I need a week because I needed a week to just like regroup. I needed a week to figure out what was going on. Cause you know, you know, it was like such a scary time, right? Like nobody knew what was going on. There was no. no food at the grocery stores. There was no anything. Like it was, everyone was so scared. It was chaos. It was chaos. Yeah. It was madness. And, um, you know, so I, so I needed the week to just like regroup and, you know, I went back and forth with this whole thing. And, um, you know, I, I had a lot of feelings about, um, you know, is it safe to reopen? Is it, uh, you know, am I putting my, my team in danger because they're going to be coming in every day? That's the thing. You think about the people that work. Yeah, you know, you think about all this stuff, right? And, and then I, you know, I, I called each and every member of my team and I said, look, like, you know, we're going to have to, do you need to work? Like, do you need to work? Because, you know, I can stay closed or I will open for you. You know, if you need to work, I will open for you. We'll do takeout. I will figure it out. I just, but I need to know 
what you're comfortable with, you know? And that was a conversation that I had with everyone in my kitchen. And, you know, every single one said, I have a family to feed. Yes. I have a family to feed. I need to work. Yes. Will you please help me? Yes. And, you know, look, there's a, there's a time to make money and there's a time to just do the right thing. And, you know, I was in, I was in Europe on business because my mind was, you know, making you know, in the mindset of like, we need to make money. Right. And, you know, I came back and the city was in chaos and, you know, New York is my home. New York is, is, it, it is where I'm going to spend the rest of my life. So, you know, if I am, if we were not here for our employees, for the city, for our community right now, we have no business being there for them when times are good. And I always say that it's just when shit hits the fan, do you rally or are you going to run? And that's it. And I sat there for a week at home and I was going insane because I've never been at home that long before in my entire (laughs) life. And, um, you know, and I, I really questioned, you know, I was like, I was leaning towards staying closed. And then after I talked to everybody, I was like, no, we're going to rally because this is what we do. And when shit hits the fan, we're going to be there. And I think that, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't, wouldn't be able to look myself in the mirror when all this is over and say, and, and be able to take myself seriously. If I did not help people who needed help, it's just not right. Because I, I feel I feel very much, you know, I'm blessed beyond anything I deserve. That that much I know. I'm blessed beyond anything that I deserve. Right. So if I cannot find it within myself to rally and help other people that actually need it, to be there for my community that's always been here for me, to be there for the city that has embraced me, that has given me so much, if I don't have it in me to do that, then no. I don't deserve to be in this city. Right. It didn't feel right to just step aside and disappear. Yeah. No. What are the things that you're doing to keep things extra clean and extra safe? I'm sure people would love to know what a person, you know, a restaurateur of your caliber is doing behind the scenes. Like, you know, um, your your whole team is a family and I'm sure every single person on your staff is taking this whole thing just as seriously as you are. So what what is the restaurant doing exactly? You know, we are doing everything that um, that we possibly can to make sure that everybody is safe. I mean, you know, there's no one is allowed in the restaurant, like more than two people at a time, um, you know, for, for our guests and like people who are picking up food, you know, masks, gloves, sanitizing yeah. every 30 minutes, you know, it is like- Every 30 time. minutes, wow. Yeah. Wow, that's, yeah. that's, that's major. Yeah. Um, which dishes are people ordering like crazy? I know that the Beatrice Inn has pivoted to like sort of a more of a home style- menu what are people what 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 can't you send out and not like what are people ordering you know it's really interesting you know i i we are pivoting to like more of this like home there's one one thing that we that we really have changed and you know i have like the classics like we've got our you know dry aged burger and i have you know our buttermilk fried chicken which is you know like a traditional speakeasy item like it's not yes. a menu you know yes you ordered at the bar only um but uh, you know, the one thing that we've obviously kept, especially too, is, you know, our duck flambe, because it's like a signature dish at the restaurant. Yes. 
So that's still there. But um, I've been doing this thing and it's, it, you know, we're calling it like a, a nightly family meal. And, um, you know, obviously in the restaurant industry, you have family meal with everyone. With your team. Yeah. So we, we sat down and it was just mm-hmm. like, I want to share that nightly family meal with all of our guests. So, mm. um, you know, we, we are doing a nightly family meal and it changes every day. I never know what it's going to be like, you know, a week in advance. It's just like one of those, like, what do we feel like cooking today? What um, do we feel like cooking today? There's always like a limited number of them and we just cook and it's like, you know, based on food memories or like yesterday I did, you know, I would, my friend, my friend, from London, who I, I always travel with, she called me earlier this week and she said, you know, this, because this time every year we always go to San Sebastian. Yeah. And she's like, you know, uh, can you believe we're not in San Sebastian this year? And I was like, oh God, like, I just really want the steak at Barna store. And so, you know, we recreated the steak. You're like, I'm going to bring myself to San Sebastian. Recreate the steak. Like, let's, let's do it. And so, you know, it's just, it's really about, I think injecting that, you know, that food memory, that story, the emotions, you know, the passion, all of those things that, you know, we talk about with creating dishes in general, but more in like a very simplified nostalgic level um, and, and sharing that with people. And that has been, uh, you know, I think some of the biggest joy of, of this time for me is being able to share those memories with people. Yes, I was going to say that. So that's that's been the most rewarding thing to come out of the, this painstaking moment in your business, right? Yeah. Do you, yeah. So family meal is is that like an offer? Is it like an entree that comes with some sauce? Like how does it? Work? It depends. I mean, the other day it was like the other day it was like I was like, oh, I want chicken and dumplings, you know. So I made yeah. chicken and dumplings and you know some buttermilk biscuits, and then last night it was like a you know a sixty day dried ribeye right. with you know, blistered shishito peppers and a tomato salad. It's just, it depends, you know. Yeah. Do you yeah. think that family meal will appear on the menu for, in the long term? Like, will you have a family meal? Yeah, I think I might. You know, I, I, I know I'm never one to like, you know, really like project into the future. I'm always yeah. one to like kind of live in the moment. But, uh, you know, it might. I don't know. People love it very much. Do you have any sense for where the restaurant will go as things start to reopen? Are you... Are we all kind of in the same boat? We all are just sort of navigating this day by day. What's going on? What do you, where do you think things are headed? You know, I think that we're all kind of just navigating it day by day. I think a lot of, you know, it's really going to depend. I, I think that life on the other side of this is, you know, there's not going to be a going back to normal. Yes. Yeah. Things are changed forever. Things are changed forever. Yeah. Or, or for, for the, you know, very near future. So, um, you know, I'm almost very glad that, that, you know, Butcher and Beast came out in October because it's it's almost like it chronicled our life. Yes. At West 12th Street, you know, and um, and I don't know if we're going to get that back, you know, okay. or, or how soon we're going to get that back because okay. I, you know, who knows what what will be safe, you know, and yes. I, you know, I don't know. I, I really yeah. don't know. So well, we're going to definitely keep our ears and eyes peeled and we're rooting for you for sure. sure. All right. As we wrap up, let's do a lightning round. Okay. Love lightning rounds. I like a lightning round too. (laughs) I love stuff like this. Um, Favorite lipstick be specific. Um, Favorite lipstick would have to be Tom Ford's Scarlet Rouge. I love a good red lipstick. I don't wear it often, but I always keep one of those. And when you find a good one, you hang on to it. You buy two and you put one in the fridge. Oh, (laughs) 
I haven't done that in a while. I used to do, they do that. And they just connect colors and, you know, just. Yeah, you have to keep. Colors, yeah. And I love Tom Ford's makeup, to be honest. Like, oh, all, good. so good. What do you look for in a partner? Getting a little deep here. Like, oh. like a love partner. Oh, a love partner. Um, somebody who is uh, as deeply ambitious as I am. I don't need them to be creative uh because i you know otherwise maybe i get a little competitive <laughs> in the relationship uh but somebody who is as, as as driven as i am yeah favorite neighborhood in new york city oh the west village what's the difference between new york and la i've been dying to ask you this question because oh, i've, I've yeah. lived in la too and yeah yeah, yeah. um there is the energy here the energy in New York is so different. It is like nothing that I've, I, I don't think anybody ever experienced. Yeah, there's no street culture. Yeah. Yeah, there's no street culture. There's no, you know, I think, um, I think it's different now. I think when I lived there, it wasn't, wasn't as, as diverse as it is now. Mm-hmm. But I also think a big part of that is because a lot of New Yorkers have moved to LA. It's true. You know? half, half the people I grew up with and that I know are out there now. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the energy for sure. It's palpable. Favorite designer? Um, I know oh, you have I a have ton. So many. Like, I have what's so, like on rotation? I don't think you can ask me to pick a favorite. Right okay. I, yeah, I mean, right now, okay. You Top know, three right now. So for for more like casual every day, yeah. I love Sally LaPointe. I mean, she's, oh, a, me too. she's a very dear friend. I adore her. Her clothes are amazing. I feel like they're always made for me. So like casual, you know, like, you know, more elevated so chic. for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, like nighttime, like gowns, dressing up. It's, you know, De La Renta, Alexander Vothier, um, you know, love. And of course, Tom Ford, because who doesn't love him? Who doesn't love favorite pair of shoes? Uh, I have. Speaking of Tom Ford, uh, <laughs> I have a pair of uh, Gucci circa Tom Ford. Oh. The yeah, the corset, the mm-hmm. corset sandal with the bamboo heel. Um, oh, I have that too. In nude, yeah. And then oh my nice. god, I have those too. I have them in mine are like a lime green. I wish yeah. I had them in nude. Yeah, no, I have the nude ones, and I have the the, the like green but not the lime green but like the more like teal ones and um but the nude ones are probably like my most favorite possession in my closet because I that think is such a good shoe it's the best shoe is ever yours in good condition yeah i never wear them out <laughs> i wear them around i was like rocking those all the time for a while yeah. so my like satin is a little ratty but I yeah, love i'm obsessed with them they're they were probably like one of my best acquisitions Oh, so good. So good. Favorite fragrance? Um, Chanel, Mademoiselle. Favorite and actually art? Gucci Envy. I don't think they even make Envy. it anymore. I forgot about Gucci Envy. Envy. Yeah. That's a good one. It's a good one. That's a really good one. Favorite artist? Uh, art or music? Art. Art? I have a lot of art. You know, my art class, I actually, it's really interesting. I have a, a really big and varied art collection. I've been collecting for years. Um, like the one behind me is beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I have a, I have a huge art collection and it's spread out between my apartment on the Upper West and, and the restaurant. Um, but uh, you know, William Sorvillo 
is so brilliant. I have uh, several pieces by him, one in the restaurant and uh, two in my apartment, but I think he is just brilliant. He, his, his artwork is so deep and the energy comes from it. It's just so palpable and soulful. Um, yeah, if, if you don't know him, you guys should check him out. He's brilliant. Yeah. Um, I love that you live on the Upper West Side. Do you like living so far from the restaurant? Do you feel like when you come home, you're home? Yeah. Does that make yeah, sense? I've always, I've always, you know, I, I've always worked and 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 partied downtown. So right. me, I need to be uptown. To you shop. need a little separation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, ideal way to celebrate a birthday? Do you celebrate birthdays? Uh, I, you know, I, I do kind of. Um, okay, so my ideal way to celebrate. So my birthday's in June. I'm Gemini. So is uh, mine. When's your birthday? I'm June sixth. I'm June eighteenth. Oh my gosh. Okay. So yes. I love a Gemini. <laughs> Love a Gemini. Um, so for me, it is in Paris at uh, this tiny little uh, oyster place called Autori Regis. And I know it, where that is. Yeah, it's with a bottle of champagne and like a giant, giant platter of oysters and prawns and sitting at the outdoor table because I usually do two outdoor tables. So I'll sit at one of them and I will literally chain smoke and eat and drink all afternoon. And that's, 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 yeah, that's, that's a good, that's my a favorite way to celebrate my birthday. That's a really good birthday. That, that um, I know exactly where it is. It's, it's in the Bastille area. It's kind of near Place de Vosges. Am I making that yeah. up? No, you're not. I know. I, like the last time I was in Paris, I like took a long walk right by. Um, Amazing. Yeah. There's like five tables. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, best gift you've been given. Oh God, that's a good one. That's a really good question. Um, I think the best gift that I have ever been given is uh, a first edition copy of The Joy of Cooking. Oh, wow. And that was from my father. I still have it. Uh, but yeah, that, yeah. That's amazing. Do you ever yeah, look at it? Really Do you good. open it up and cook from it or take ideas from it? Yeah. I, you know, I, the one that I have, I used to cook out of it with my father. And so it's just splattered in like wine and fat yeah. and flour. <laughs> and it's, yeah. What are you watching on TV or do you watch TV? Um, I... It's funny, I go in phases where I like I don't watch any TV at all and then I'll just binge. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now I'm in binge phase and uh, I am re-watching Peaky Blinders right now. Oh, I haven't seen Peaky Blinders. Okay. Watch it, it's amazing. Okay, will do. Um, favorite travel destination, would that be St. Bart's? Uh, no, Paris. Paris, me too. Yeah, Paris is my favorite. Sexiest dish someone can eat or order? Uh, at the Beatrice or? At the Beatrice A and B in life in general. Okay. Um, you know, everybody always thinks it's like meat with me that I'm going to say meat or like steak, which is, is very sexy. Absolutely. Um, but there is something about a, uh, tower of chilled crustaceans and shellfish. Yes. Uh, that I cannot get enough of ever. Go to cocktail. Um, well, <laughs> it depends on the day. Uh, okay. <laughs> if it's, uh, if, you know, if it's been a, at the end of like a long creative day, it's a dirty martini for me. Oh, love. Uh, 
and if I'm celebrating, it's champagne. Uh, And if I have had, um, if I'm also celebrating or I'm I'm ending a night, you know, big night, it's always uh, a bourbon, bourbon rocks. Mm. Favorite restaurant in the world? Uh, well, obviously, you know, the Beatrice, yes, but favorite restaurant to eat at, eat at, that's not my own. Uh, yes, it's not your own. Yeah, that is not my own would probably be uh, Chez Lamy Louis. Oh, I love it. Yeah, Chez Lamy Louis or uh, Chez George. Those are my two. I have, I'm very, very like, very, like Paris is like my second home. So for me, it's like, and I only go to like certain restaurants, but so, uh, yeah, and they're always old school. So yeah, Lamy Louis or... Yeah. I miss Paris. I haven't been in a while. I used to go there for fashion week all the time and I haven't been in ages. And yeah, once you fall in love with Paris, you really fall in love with Paris. There's nothing like it. No. Favorite place for sushi? Um, Are are you not dying for sushi right now? I'm always dying for sushi. I had like, I had a bunch of raw fish and I cut it up and ate it with rice for breakfast two days ago. (laughs) There you go. When you're Angie Mar, you do that. Yeah. yeah what, what's exactly. your favorite place in the city? Uh, I actually, I love Sushi Seki. It's mm-hmm. one of my favorite places, the one on 23rd. Um, I never go with people. I only eat there by myself. Like I won't share it with anybody. Yep. Because um, I like to go there and just turn off and just eat and clear my mind and clear my right. body. Like omakase or something. Yeah. yeah. Always. Okay. Um, most thrilling guest who's walked into the restaurant? I have so many. <laughs> I have so many. You really um, do. I mean, you do. But yeah, was there anybody I, that like took your breath away? You know, uh, um, Jacques Pepin, who yeah. he has become, you know, I, I kidnapped him once. You did? What's the story? I kidnapped him once. <laughs> I kidnapped him once and you know, we've been we've been close ever since. Um, I was on a panel with him a few years ago and uh, I had a I had a bottle of water and I, I had a bottle of like Hilden water, so it, it almost looks like a vodka bottle. Right. Just water, it's very disappointing. <laughs> uh, and and he was sitting next to me and he leaned over and he said, um, he said, Is that gin or vodka? And I said, chef, it's water. And he's like, I expected more from you. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, what are you doing later? And he goes, we're having dinner. I said, fantastic. I was planning on kidnapping you regardless. I said, you're coming to my restaurant. I'm feeding you. So, and we've been I love this story. Ever, yeah, we've been close ever since. So, What uh, did he eat? What did you feed him? I fed him everything. I mean, yeah, it was one of those yeah, chef's dinners, right? Yeah. You sent everything yeah. out for him to sample. Yeah. Um, but, you know, about... I think it was about like nine months ago, he was in the restaurant and um, he, he called me out of the kitchen. Yeah. I call him Papa now. And so he calls, <laughs> me, out the kitchen. Yeah, he calls me out of the kitchen and he's like, he's like, I need to talk to chef, bring her out. So I come out and I'm like, yes, yes, Papa, what, you know, something wrong. And he says, are you sure you're not French? And wow. Said, what a compliment. And I said, well, I am in my heart. So, yeah. if, and if you say it, it must be, it must be so. And he said, well, I think you're a very old French man. And I said, I think so too. <laughs> and then, what a and, good story. But he, he, com- he compared the food at the Beatrice to, to the way he felt at Lutece when wow. I was in the kitchen. And 
it was that if anything ever took my breath away, it was that. And I just burst into tears because it was probably the highest compliment that anybody could have ever given me. Absolutely. You know, I don't even care about the awards or the accolades. It's like, it's like literally he said that our food was like Andre Soltner's at Lutece and it was. That's it. pretty much it, right? Yeah. Like I was like, I can die now. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we're done. <laughs> right. Last question. Um, if you were going to choose a Beatrice in for meal for me to sample right now, what would it be? Like what? I'd start you out with Milan oysters and uh, caviar. Toluca caviar because it's my favorite. Uh, and then I would, yeah, so do the big raw, the big raw tower. And then I go straight into meat. We would do the duck flambe. We would do the milk braised pork shoulder and uh, probably um, the tartiflette because I love that dish deeply. Um, and then I would go to salad because I'm, I'm very European like that where salad always has to be at the end of the meal. Mm. Um, and then I would do a, a romaine salad with a green goddess dressing to clear the palate and then a cheese course uh, and then dessert. Wow. That sounds amazing. Angie, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. 